1: Time now, though, to talk cricket and Cricket World Cups, and uh, one of New Zealand's greats is on the phone with us. Ken Rutherford, how are you, sir?
0: Well, that's a very liberal uh, use of the term great, uh, Ricardo, but uh, good morning to you too, sir. Yeah.
1: Mm. Oh, mate, uh, well, I mean, I, I, I think you, you played a hell of a lot more cricket with New Zealand than I ever did, so, so we'll leave it there. But uh, you were also involved, of course, in the 92 uh, World Cup on our own soil, which uh, looked so good for so long, and I, and I, I was just looking back, on the, in the history mm. books and thinking you know, 92, 99 we do have a history against Pakistan in semi-finals and it hasn't tended to go our way has it?
0: No it hasn't and uh, when you look at the the way both teams got through this uh, semi-final it's uh, some similarities there too. Pakistan, I remember in 1992 Ricardo, with the benefit of a, a rained out game, I think at one point from a rained out game, I think it was against someone like South Africa, I'm not 100% sure they they would never have made it through the semi-finals anyway and of course we had a a successful run through the the 92 sort of round robin stage and got through as is, is probably the favourites in that match. But um, of course, we all know what happened there, and uh, it's similar here where Pakistan have come really from nowhere. Who would have thought that South Africa would have lost to the Netherlands uh, prior to that game? Pakistan Bangladesh on Sunday afternoon. So they have surprisingly got through again, and boy, they are going to be one hell of a contender tomorrow night at the SCG.
1: Yeah, they are. I mean, and the SCG is a is a pitch that traditionally takes spin. Do you think that makes mm. them favourites for this game?
0: Yeah, ironically for a while now, Pakistan's attack is, is still very much lent around the swing and the seam bowlers. I mean, Shahid is an outstanding left-arm, isn't he? And They have other guys like Harris Roff who can bowl very fast as well. So Look, 20 over games. I don't know if the spinners, apart from when they played in the UAE or some other parts in the subcontinent, mate, I don't know how much real impact the spinners do have. Um, and I don't expect them to have much of an impact tomorrow. I going it'll be all about batting. And, and whichever team bats better will win the game. And, uh, gee, that's a, a very erudite uh, summation, isn't it, Ken? Because it's pretty bloody obvious, isn't it? But um, that, that really is uh, what it comes down to. And I think New Zealand's batting lineup is, is a good one. Pakistan's has improved, hasn't it, over the course of this competition? When you saw Pakistan play New Zealand prior to this uh, T20 World Cup, you worried about their middle order. They seem to rely very much on Rizwan and Barbara Azam at the top. But uh, these days, or certainly the last couple of weeks, they've found a couple of fellas in the middle order who can really smack it a long way. Yeah, their,
1: ba- their batting lineup is looking extremely good, actually. I mean, ours isn't looking too bad, though. It's got to be said. Uh, I mean, it was mm. a very un... You know, and this isn't a criticism, but I mean, like, Gary Stead and Kane Williamson, it, it's all very steady. You know, steady the ship with Captain Kane. Gary Stead, of course, uh, they don't tend to make big calls often. So the f- the fact that leading into this World Cup, they went, you know what, Martin Guptill, you're probably not our best mm. option now. Um, did that surprise you when you saw that happen in that tri-series against Bangladesh and Pakistan?
0: Yeah, it did, because you're right, Guptill's been a, a very reliable player for us over a decade and longer in both 50-over and T20 matches. So it was surprising to make it that kind of stage of a um, lead-up to a tournament, quite close to a big tournament, was, was again, surprising. And, yeah, they are quite conservative, aren't they, in their approach, Stead and, and Williamson? And I wonder if tonight they will break those shackles a bit and uh, maybe play a bit more, I don't know, responsively responsibly to, the, to the situation in front of them. I, I was surprised as an example of, of, of a batting order uh, when Ellen and Conway uh, got going so well against Australia in the very first game, some, some some days ago now. Why Williamson came in at three himself? I would have thought, to keep the momentum going, he might have put in a, a Glenn Phillips at that stage. And I think that sort of responsiveness has to occur if we're going to beat Pakistan.
1: Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I am interested to get your take on Williamson. Uh, you know, uh before the mm. game against Ireland, I had been suggesting that maybe the T twenty game had evolved past Williamson's strengths. Uh because if you looked mm. at the IPL stats last season, he had thirteen games, an average of nineteen, a strike rate of ninety-three or ninety-four. Uh this season for the black caps and the internationals it was was something similar. Um obviously he stood up against the Irish, but it was the Irish. I mean, what have you made of yeah. Kane and do you think that's enough to turn the corner for
0: him? Well, it'll be akin to committing treason and, and I'd have my uh, passport uh, revoked, uh, um, uh, Ricardo, if I was to criticise Kane. So let's, let's tread carefully here. But as we all know, his input to the New Zealand cricket over a 15-year period and longer has been incredible. I don't think you'd find another New Zealand player with the, the same amount of input apart from, say, a Richard Hadley or a Martin Crowe over the years. So, But I, I do have some uh, some sympathy for your views. Um, He he did get runs against Ireland, but he struggled for those first 30 or 40 balls. He only really came right with his timing for the last sort of 20 balls of of that innings, and he, he got going and the stats read pretty well. More often than not, he, he uses up too many balls in his first 10 or 15 to get his own innings going. And that can be in a game which will be very close tomorrow night. That can be a debilitating feature.
1: Yeah, it can be. Uh, what have you made of, of Glenn Phillips? Um, I mean, he's a guy that, much like you in your career, has batted all over the show. He's opened, he's coming at first drop, he's coming at five, he's even batted as low as seven. What do you, what do you make of him in, in this format?
0: Yeah, he's now a standing player. And he's a guy I actually think can play test cricket as well. His first-class record's uh, pretty pretty darn good. Um, 50 over games, T20 games at this stage seem to be the way the selectors are going with, with Phillips. Uh, he's made a very wise move for a cutter to go down and play his domestic cricket for Otago this year, so good on him. <laughs> um, and that's another reason to give him the big thumbs up, mate. But uh, no, he's, he's he's a guy. And, and look, these tournaments always provide the, the opportunity for players like Phillips to really you know, into into the world stage. I was was doing my own little podcast at work the other day with Nasser Hussain, the English commentator, and he he brought up the name of Glenn Phillips as a guy that will be remembered after this this tournament is finished. And uh, that's the impact he's now made globally
1: which is huge. You know, if, you, if you've got guys like Nasser Hussain remembering his name and talking about him, that that is pretty big. Is it a little bit, it reminds me a little bit, and and I don't want to uh, undermine his character by making this comparison, but he reminds me a little bit of when Dave Warner broke into the onto the international scene, first to a T20, and then all of a sudden he's in the Aussie Test team.
0: Um, he's, he's a sort of player, when you look at his technique, you think to yourself, he, he's not really slogging. You know, he's not really smacking to all corners, in a really unconventional fashion, is he? He's playing technically very sound uh, cricket shots. I, I actually love his backlift. His backlift's in a great position before the ball's actually bowled. If you take a still shot of his backlift, gee, that's technically very, very sound. So, And that says to me that um, you know, you've got to make some mental changes, don't you? If you're playing a, a T20 to a 50-over game uh, and, and then onto a test match, uh, some changes can, lots of changes. But... But they are mental ones, and, and physically and technically, if you've got the, you've got the game in a good position, uh, you can really prosper. And I think he's that sort of guy.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I, I think so. Uh, he, he looks great. He's a fantastic proposition. And the fact he can do so many things, Ken, I mean, when he first came on the scene, he was a wicketkeeper batsman. Mm. Now he's dropped bowling the gloves you. and he's bowling off spin. Mm. I mean, is there anything he can't do?
0: Well, hopefully he learns to drink spades, Ricardo. <laughs> cause he's, you know, going to need to do that down in Otago. Um, <laughs>
1: I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure that there's a young Hamish Rutherford uh, there who might uh, show him the way.
0: Well, not so young anymore, Hamish. But uh, now the culture of the Otago cricket, I understand, is really improving these days, and it's getting to a stage where we can look forward to ex Otaga players with some are some real confidence. But uh, what are your thoughts tomorrow night, now, from a punter's perspective, uh, Ricardo? I did note the odds, as you do. I think uh, New Zealand at around a dollar eighty, dollar eighty one. 81. Pakistan are $2.02, $2.03, something like that. I mean, that's an indication of the closeness of the game. I I did notice India v England uh, on Thursday night are the same kind of prices. So if you're going to take a multi in the two games, where are you going?
1: Uh, Well, the the cynic in me thinks that uh, this is all set up for a Pakistan-India final, to be honest. Um, I've just got that feeling about it. The history doesn't go in our favour against Pakistan at at this time of tournaments. And and I just think India against England at Adelaide, what we saw the other day with those three games at Adelaide, it was lower, it was slower, it was harder to get the ball away, and Mm. I think that'll probably suit the Indians. I don't know. Where where are you?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm similar. I, I, I really do fear for New Zealand. I'd much rather would have played South Africa in the semi-final. Uh, that's that's for sure. I think South Africa are very reliant on two or three players to get the job done. Uh, whereas Pakistan, I believe, uh, have unearthed a few players, particularly through the middle order, who can score 50 off 25 balls, as we saw with Shadab Khan uh, during one of those matches last week. Uh, so I do worry about Pakistan as that kind of unconventional, unpredictable opponent which we don't like to play, because our style of play is very much reliant on I'm kind of knowing what the opposition's going to do. With Pakistan, you never really can tell what they're going to do. So the South Africans would have been far more reliable in, 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 in trying to work out how to defeat them than Pakistan. So I do, I am concerned about Pakistan. I still think we'll win. Uh, so I'd take the $1. eighty-one into the $2 about England, because I think England will beat India and I think they'll win the tournament. There you go.
1: Okay, that's a nice tip. Again, nice tip. Now, uh, in 1992, we won all our round-robin games until the last one, which was against Pakistan. Mm. And then the and Australians, and then the Australians claimed that we had thrown that game so that they didn't make the semi-finals. Who are they blaming for not making the semi-finals this time?
0: Oh, over here, no, mm. there'll be there'll be a review. The review will go into the next uh, T20 World Cup in 2026 or whenever it is, Ricardo. I mean, they love reviews over here, but like uh, doing government, isn't it? So let's just wait and see what it coughs up. I mean, I would say what a world cough up is, is in, in just one little selection. A, a, a little tidbit I might give you from an Australian, a New Zealand perspective, looking at Australian cricket. If you're going to pick Steve, Steve Smith in a squad of fourteen or fifteen, sure you're going to play him, mm. aren't you? I mean, if you're going to pick the fella who's got so much experience and is a great player of the game, you're going to play him somewhere in, the, in, in your eleven, aren't you? Why would you pick him and having mixing the cordial? Uh, If you're not going to play them, then you might as well bring a young guy to get some experience uh, in terms of that whole squad situation with a view to the next T20 World Cup. And All I'll say is from an Australian perspective, I I think that the the big bash to the competition this year is a great opportunity for those young players to come out of the woodwork over here. Uh, I I firmly believe T20 is is becoming more and more a a young person's game. If if you're over 30, I think you might struggle a bit. I think it's a young, athletic, vibrant, exciting game, which is more... more akin to the, the players in their low, lower to mid-20s, quite frankly. And that's why I think Steve Smith plays last E20 World Cup. And that's why I think for a few of the Kiwi players, uh, tomorrow, tonight, tomorrow night could be their swan song for the same reason. I think it is a game which is continually evolving. We're seeing that in the, in the quality of the the skills and the uh, attributes on, on show with some of these players. They truly are athletes these days. And um, that's why I, I can see it being a you know, it's, the selection is a very important game for them to be a young person's game.
1: It's interesting you say that because, yeah, I looked at that Australian team and then I I went, why are you taking Aaron Finch, who you've just cut as your one-day captain and actually made him retire from the international game in, at that, uh, in that format? Why are you taking him into this tournament? I mean, you'd go one or the other, you wouldn't take both. That was my thought at the time.
0: Yeah, he struggled for runs, there's no doubt about that. And, uh, look, he, he he got a few runs towards the end there again when, he, when I think he pulled his hamstring in one of those matches, didn't he? Um but in general, his form, if he wasn't the captain on the side, and didn't have such a, a terrific record. And, and look, at his record, you've got to say, overall in T20 games is, is extraordinary. His strike rate's up around the 140, 150 mark historically, and, and he's, he's been a very consistent performer up until the last 12 months. But I guess if you are picking a team or an 11 just to, to, to win games now, in the moment, then you might look elsewhere. They they did run into trouble before the tournament, didn't they, with Josh Inglis' uh, what do you do? He had a golfing injury, or something, didn't he mm, yeah. do something on the golf course? Um, so he was out. I mean, he would have been a guy at the top of the order there. He's been one of the fellows in the big bash, hasn't he, over the last few years? Who's really excelled? He's an exciting young fellow who, who can clearly play. So that option had gone. Cameron Green made was the replacement, and Cameron Green, of course, had no real experience at the top of the order. So it kind of gave uh, Fincher. A, a go to go ticket for free uh, in terms of playing for the rest, you know, pretty much the whole competition. And and that's what happened. Uh, look, let's not dwell too much on the Aussies. It's great to see them uh, having these reviews and stuff, and a few of the ex players coming out of the woodwork yesterday and being a bit critical. But um, there's clearly some issues there in terms of the way their team had been selected. And, and, and the insinuation over here with a lot of the ex Australian players is that it's too comfortable an environment. Uh, there's not enough challenging going on since Justin Langer. Uh, Resigned from from the coaching role. Um, Andrew McDonald's come in, he's quite matey, I understand, with a few of the players. There's no real environment there of being challenged, and um, I'm sure that's something the review might challenge.
1: So Daniel Vittori for next Australian coach, is that what you're saying?
0: I think he gets on pretty well with the hierarchy, otherwise he wouldn't have the job, would he? Um, Wouldn't that be a great job, being a spin bowling coach of any cricket team? You're looking after about one player sometimes. I mean, it's just... (laughs) How good's
1: that? Yeah, so good, mate. It's so good. He's stealing a living, stealing a living, Ken. Yeah, hey, it um, it, it's mm. Cup Day over here in Christchurch. Uh, are no, you, are, no, are you got an
0: eye on that at all? Oh, well, absolutely. No, I think it's thirteen races and something mm. like that. I had a, I had a good look through the the fields uh, yesterday, um, and look at the, the the Cup field. It looks, I think it's four to one. The field, isn't it? The favourites copy that at around three eighty or four dollars. Three to one. Then so. And Look, he's going to be a big chance. The, the, the first moments of the race is, are so so important, aren't they, whether a horse will step away from the stand start because stand starts and harness racing these days for the paces are, are so uncommon. That's um, a, a beauty of the race, the 3200 metres, isn't it, that uh, we still have stand starts. So my heart will be in my mouth with the horse drawn two Majestic Cruiser. I've had it on good authority from a very good judge down to Needon, the ex City Fletcher Cup goalkeeper Grant Ford that majestic cruiser is is the one to go for uh, Ricardo at around 15 to one, an Australian horse I see. I uh, saw a couple of his replays yesterday, and will stay the trip. You'd think won the New Zealand Messenger recently at uh, Alexandra Park, so maybe for punters with 10, with 20 bucks in their pocket, ten each way, a majestic cruiser. But it's a very open race. And just one of the great days on the New Zealand racing calendar—not just the harness racing calendar—it's a great day. And of course, with COVID recently, there will be a huge crowd down there at, um, at Eddington. And uh, wish I was there, mate. It's a, it is one of the great days.
1: Yeah, and it's great to see that you know an Aussie, uh, an Aussie owner mm. has, has named a horse after two of your best characteristics. What's that? Majestic Cruiser. That's—I mean—that's you to a as a batsman, wasn't it? Wasn't it,
0: Ken? Oh, I don't know about that. I didn't cruise very often, did I? I wasn't out there long enough to cruise, but it certainly wasn't majestic. You're taking the us now, mate. Hey,
1: mate, thanks very much for coming on. really appreciate it. Go well and uh, have a great day on the punt, eh?
0: Yeah, good on you, Ricardo. All the best.
1: Cheers, mate. Go well. Uh, here we go. Ken Rutherford with us, uh, former uh, Black Cap of course, uh, former Black Cap captain for some time, and good mate of uh, Ian Smith's as well on the show, talking uh, the Cricket World
0: Cup. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.